0: Hash House and circle up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. My guest today is very well known. He's Often mistaken or portrays himself as a porn star. He's one of the hashers in the sub four fifteen mile, in his case, under four ten mile club. He's a founder of a few big hash events. Might show up anywhere in the world. Today's guest. Shit happens. Hi, shit.
1: Hey, buddy. What's happening? Good to see you, Rob. Good
0: to, <laughs> Good to talk to you. Yeah,
1: man. We'll,
0: we'll start oh, right man. in. I'm sure we'll have fun talking about anything that comes up. But let's start. Just getting your background for everybody, when and where and how did you start hashing?
1: So I started hashing in 1988 in Charleston, South Carolina, with the hash that was the uh, Charleston Hash House Harriers. And um, I had a buddy that uh, I was a partner with for my road race business, and he begged me to come out hashing. And he said, oh, you'll love it. You'll love it. We run and we drink beer. And I, and I said, great. That's what I do. But I just I just, couldn't get around to doing it because it. it I, I told him, I said, listen, it'll fuck up my running. It'll fuck up my running because I was a really competitive runner at the time. And, you know, I win about 90% of the races I entered. And it's like, oh, my God, I just hear stories about these people. But the most interesting thing I think about – Doing that is prior to that, in the early 80s, we did this thing called chugging. And it's very similar huh. to hashing, except it's competitive running and drinking. You would do a six-pack chug, a 12-pack chug, or a case chug, and you would run an indeterminate distance. It could be a mile, half mile, but you'd run it as fast as you could. And then the first person yeah. back would lead the next lap. And I did this with, with like, world-class runners, and we did this for about yeah. – Five or six years. So then I found out about hashing and finally went out to my first one. And then I, I went for 252 consecutive weeks. But I think it's still a record here uh, of not uh-huh. missing a hash. I mean, I would cut trip short just to get back so I could hash on Sundays.
0: Yes, yeah, I remember you flying out, flying out of Como in the middle of the weekend to get to SCNC. Yep. Yep, and that's yeah, that's a fact, be- Jack. Tradition. Tradition strong. The yep. force of tradition strong with you. Well, well I'm a, I'm a, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm a firm believer in tradition. Yes, sir. Ask you to explain your hash name and do it in 60 seconds. We'll do a whole show because it probably well, deserves a whole show. But
1: yeah, basically, I had a whole lot of stuff happen to me within a short period of time, including but not limited to broke both my arms, broke my nose off, got arrested. Went to jail, um, had a hernia operation, had ended up with two casts, all within a six-month period of time. And finally, someone said, "Holy crap! A bunch of shit happens to you." And actually, shit happens. just my second name, my first name by the Charleston Ash was Upchuck, and it was just lame because I've only thrown up four times in my entire life. <laughs> so you know, when, when that happened, I mean, you know, when you have an opportunity for for a new name you earn something like that, you know, it's it sticks. And I've been shit happens now since I think about 92. Have, what's your role in ha- heretics? Um, I'm a former GM. I started the hash in 1997. I was married to uh, my third ex-wife. And we'll get into that story later. And uh, they came up to her at a hash and said, ooh, you're married to shit happens. He's an asshole. And she was she's very she was very um uh, aghast at that and uh, said I can't stand these people we need to start our own hash so we were we were sitting in the hash bar in Mount Pleasant Blues and we had an organizational meeting for me uh, ex wife number three Bo Peep and Mel Molester and we're sitting at our table and and the current GM of the Charleston Hashes the old property owner walks in and said what are y'all doing? I said, we're having a meeting. He goes, hash meeting. goes, well, where's Jack? And that was Jack off. And Mm -hmm. I said, well, he's not here. We're we're thinking about starting new hash. He goes, well, you guys are a bunch of heretics. And he basically named us.
0: (laughs) He basically named (laughs) us. And a blow to your tradition. We saw they, uh, they just renamed themselves, huh?
1: Yeah. They just renamed it from the happy heretics to the Charleston uh, heretics. And the reason they did that, and, and, and I, I really have to give kudos to the current GM who reached out to me and asked me what I thought about it. And, and after the fact, of course, but, uh, you know, he, he said the reason they, they wanted to change the name was because nobody knew where the Happy Hair were from. It does make sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so anyway, like I said, the the former guys that took it over in in 2011, I was dating a hasher from St. Louis and I was going to be gone a lot. And I said, listen, I haven't got I, I haven't got time for this since I'm flying to St. Louis over the weekend. And I turned it over to somebody else and they proceeded to try to turn it into trash south. And you know, when we started the Happier Ticks, we were kind of appalled at at you know, just their their general behavior. And we wanted it to be a more traditional hash, actual trails, limited sugar. No ice and none of the crap that happens at the Carolina Trash. <laughs> and one of the things that they tried to do is make another trash hash, which I absolutely detest.
0: Talking about traditions and preferences, have have yours changed over the years? It's, it's clear what you like. Tradition, van, not vanilla hashing, but pure hashing. Have your preferences for traditions and hashing?
1: Well, changed? yeah, it has. I mean, I, I prefer a dead trail versus a live trail. You could do so much more with a with a dead trail. Um, I prefer interesting hashes, not Shuggy, but interesting hashes where you get to go and see things you've never seen before. You know, whether it's a bluff or an overlook or ocean view or a bridge or something like that. But you now I'm not. I'm not big on Shuggy anymore. And time was, oh Shuggy, let's go. Nah,
0: not anymore. I'm too old for that crap. You've been everywhere, and you're an integral part of motion weekend. You've got your boat trip on Thursday and the seafood dinner on the Sunday after that become integral parts of the event. Did anyone mentor you in the hash? When you started or- yeah i have a great
1: story about that i'm glad you mentioned that the charleston hash started by a group in, in columbia columbia was the first hash in south carolina and, and charleston was second there was an older gentleman and his name was wandering dick and he's dead now and i and i god bless his soul because he taught me a lot but the first thing that dick taught me was always respect your hash elders and unfortunately that does not seem to be happening these days you know he took me aside and said you all need to do this this and this and this, this, and this, and and I have nothing but respect for people that have been hashing longer than me, because number one, they stuck with it, and number two, they always bring something to the equation, and yeah. Dick was actually one of the, he was at run number one for the for the, for the the Charleston Hash House Harriers back in 80, 87, or whenever they started. There's another guy from the Charleston Hash, his name was Comatose, and I don't even know if he's still alive. Comatose was one of the guys that, when the trail started off, the pack would go one way, and Comatose would go another. <laughs> <laughs> and half the times, he'd make it To the on end and half the times he wouldn't and it was real interesting because when he'd show up he would usually show up you know either before us or hours later (laughs) so this is you know this is before we had you know the internet before we had all we had was manual directories and printed directories and printed songs and nobody really knew what was going on you had to have a book to figure out where a hash was and he kind of taught me well you need to be more select or or be careful because when you go to some of these places they're not going to exist anymore So he kind of taught me to double check
0: before I went somewhere. Brilliant. I wanted to ask you about the events regional, national. What's the size that you prefer? You used to write up a review of America's International and others. Thank you. For you now, what's the magic number?
1: I like the 100 to 300 range the best because you pretty much get to see everybody. You know, I do love my big events, international events. But even at uh, Beginner americas in uh, Phoenix, you know, there was people that were there that I never even saw because it was so spread out because the venue was just huge. And, you know, you couldn't even fit everybody, you know, and and, and they did the best they could with what they had. You know, the venue for skits and for presentations and stuff you couldn't get nearly close to everybody in there and that's where you would see people at you know at least yeah. when we did the ship everybody was in the ball was in the lobby of the ballroom the medium-sized events really are my favorite because you get to see everybody that was there and say hi and hang out with your friends but I mean, you're still gonna hang out with your friends but you know, there's people that i go to hash events just to i mean i guess for me socialization is more important than trail i like mm-hmm. seeing my hash friends from around the world i like talking to them find out what they've been up to where they're going where, where they going next they got anything planned what's going uh, on with their life
0: you're able to spend time and get to know people and people will come up and talk to you When you're in charge, who are a couple of your unforgettable hash buddies?
1: I guess my favorite hash buddy is, of course, Emu. And everybody knows Emu. Emu's a great guy. He's been over here at least a dozen times. I've been over to see him at least a dozen times. And he's just a fun guy. He flew in for my 50th Derby celebration a few years ago. God bless him. But he's just, he's met my family. My family considers him part of the family now. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know what he does for a living, right?
1: Oh, yeah. He's a pharmacist.
0: On this podcast, we're going to probably get... Into some non-hashing facts about okay people. and tell people what you so, did. Ron Jeremy's career is crap. Yeah, oh, that <laughs> make you a mark man. Mark man when you're yeah. But tell people but, what
1: you. So let me get me a couple other people that that are that are characters yeah. that that right in my circle. The second person I see a lot and hang out with a lot is Muddy, and Muddy, of course, you know, is the only two-time Mr. Interim winner. Hopefully, transitioning back to a a more stable job so we can get to see him more, have him come out more but he is just an absolute hoot to be with he's a quarter ton of fun you know he's for people that don't know Muddy he's 450 pounds and when Muddy's around trust me you're going to have a good time a really fun guy to be with and be around and and, and hang out with I got a couple other characters in, in my list uh, CIA from Houston and I hang out a lot uh, of course he's a big traveler too you know there's my rumps and pals you know Mr. Jackson and, and Deadman him and I do a lot of the coordination for the for the commotions Dead Man's is a fun guy Die. Yeah. And then, of course, I've you know just a, I've made a lot of good friends over the year. Hemeroid, the organizer for Interam PV, my friend Rip from Texas, who's been my best man in all my weddings. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, except the first one, he wasn't around. I, I knew him then, but he just he got into hashing when I started going to Texas. And I've been fortunate too because I was able to fly for free for almost eight years. I was uh, listed as a domestic partner of a U.S. Airways employee. I would fly somewhere every weekend to hash, and there's something in Bronx I'd go there. Something in LA, I'd go there. Something in Pittsburgh, I'd go there. Uh, I had an absolute blast for those eight years and, and got to meet and travel a lot of people. And it, it really exposed international hashing to me. And you know, unless you international hash, you really don't get the flavor of what's going on in the rest of the world. I mean, it's one thing to hash in the US, but it's a whole other story when you start hashing internationally, as you know. There's things like expat hashing. Well, as as Jackoff, from here, used to say they're not wrong; they're just different. Yeah. <laughs> you have to kind yeah. of go into that because you know everybody does have their own thing. Though each hash has its own tradition, like the Rumson hash, it doesn't sing any songs. Starts at ten seventeen. There'll they'll never be ice, and then you got the trash dumping stuff on people and bibbing people and throwing up on people, and that's what they do. And it's like if you if you like that, more power to you. But it's never been my
0: thing, even though I bib trasher. Yeah, change wrong. Maybe that day of hashing is broken by the pandemic. How do you think hash is going to come back?
1: I think it's going to come back okay. The hash here locally. In South Carolina, we were really fortunate that we were only shut down for a couple of months. We were one of the first states to open back up. First restaurants, first bars. And Now pretty much everything's open and, and we're getting 30, 40, 50 people a week which is probably even stronger than before because people are so wanting to get out and do something. But as far as traditions are concerned, to me that's the most important thing of hashing. I mean, whatever your traditions are you need to respect that and the, and, and so. the new kids just don't get it. And it really pisses me off. For instance, this crap about calling civilian hashers or non-hashers muggles. That term wasn't even invented until <laughs> in the 2000s, the Harry Potter stuff. They're not muggles. That's a goddamn Harry Potter term. They're either non-hashers or civilians. Yeah. That's what yeah. the old people call them. And yeah. it Civil, still pisses yeah. me off when older hashers call non-hashers muggles because they're not muggles. I agree with you on that one. So, right. Um, okay, story time. I I'm have so great good. stories. run a couple of them by you. When when I was with the Charleston Hash, we got one of the guys that works at a strip club, the guy that says, all right, on the main stage now is Brandy. We got him to come out. And he started bringing strippers. I mean, actual, real, honest to God, take your clothes off for money strippers to the Hash. And they would come out just long enough to get a name and then they quit. And it was great. So we brought the strippers to Wandering Dick's house. And at the time, he's got to be in his upper 80s. And these strippers have no qualms about taking their clothes off. So it's a red dress run. And they're just stripping in the front yard and put their dresses on. He goes, well, no, you can't do that here. You can't do that here. And I was going to have a heart attack, poor fella. So I'd say, ladies, you to go inside because they had no inhibitions whatsoever. My second story is NCSE. Well, there was a Georgia, Florida for years, and there was a hasher from Columbia, wet and dry, who kept bugging me and said, shit happens. We need to have a North Carolina, South Carolina interhash, just like they have Georgia, Florida. So we had the first one on my 40th birthday back in 1995. And we had hashers come from all over the country. And I only tried, $25. And it was a great event and I'm proud to say that event is still going on strong. One of my favorite things to do, if you know me, is to follow Hash Cruises by plane. I hate, I hate I absolutely hate cruises. And uh, the only reason I did Interam was to keep my streak a lot of Interams alive. Anyway, I had so much fun following the Babe's Alaska cruise. And, well, I started. it started off going down when he when he went to uh, the Caribbean. He, he, they left from Fort Lauderdale to go to Puerto Rico to St. Kitts to St. Lucia. Should happens. Flew to Puerto Rico. Sat in one of the best pub crawls I've ever sat. 11 bar pub crawl. These people were hammered when they got back in the boat. And they met him at the next island. And uh, another thing that I've done is pretty cool is we hashed five states in one day. So we were at uh, the USA Nash Hash in, in Deadwood, Colorado, where, by the way, I won $30,000 on a hand of poker during the uh, pub crawl. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked at a map and said, you know, we can knock out five states in one day. So I had run a minivan and me and wet and dry and quick drawers and a couple other guys. A CIA was in that group. We drove, so we did. All right. North Dakota, South Dakota... Montana, Nebraska, and Wyoming. Jeez. All in one day. Yeah, it took some creative driving, but we did it. And then of course, the best trip of my entire life was the year that we did the the quadruple hash. And this was bit would back meet in 01. We we did the German Nash hash. Eurohash, the UK Nash Hash, Austin in consecutive weekends. Brilliant. So basically it's four solid weeks of hashing. Yeah, and I was fortunate
0: great. enough to have a job that allowed me to do that. So close together. Where so was it, was that year? Was that Speyside? No, that was uh, Winchester. And you are also a part of another thing we're going to be talking about in this podcast, the multi-generations. You've got three generations of hashers. Three shits? Yep. yep. <laughs> There's three generations of shits. <laughs> so of course some shit
1: happens my daughter is little shit, I feel for her because this is a, a, a great story uh, and then her, her, her son is, is baby shit, they were at the beach last week and, and she sends me a picture of two hashers I know really well actually I named one of them in 1997 at Mardi Gras Hash New Orleans, there's two twins from um, Texas work um, me now and bacon drippings and I said Aaron, what the hell and she goes, dad, dad my friend knows these girls and, and they invited me out and I started talking and and, and they said they're hashers. And Aaron, Aaron goes to her friend, She goes, well, they probably know my dad. He goes, how are they going to know your dad? They're from Dallas. Trust me, they'll know my dad. And of course they did because I named one of them. <laughs> so that's that's all the shit generation was there at the uh, at the event. And my daughter enjoys it as much as I do. She's been to at least two in America's and several NCSEs and a lot of a lot of local regional events like the savannah green dress and she enjoys it too and hopefully baby shit will, will, will get the bug one of these days he gets a little older he's only six now but you know he's been out on trail a couple
0: times do you run into any hashers at your actual racing event
1: yeah actually i do it's funny because you know i put on i put on races all over the country and new orleans is a hotbed for hashers i mean there's yeah. At least 10 or 20 that do them. And, and, and at my normal races in the southeast on this side, there's at least five or 10 runners that are hashers at every event, especially the ones with beer. <laughs> All right. You know, I've been to Amsterdam 50 times now. You know, the year I took 43 people on on a plane trip from uh, from Raleigh to Amsterdam – was just incredible, and it was a who's who of hashing. Makes sense. I mean, it was cool because not only did I bring hashers over there, but the the boys from the UK joined us. Uh-huh. I know that uh, Conrad joined us. Mary Tyler Moore somehow hooked up with us, and we ended up renting an entire hotel in Amsterdam. And there was there was one other couple there. Our people were our people were just drunk and. And 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 this is a great story. So when we got off the plane, I, I gave these people instructions about doing the drugs there. I said, look, you know, we got mushrooms here, and the deal is to take, you know, take one or two, wait at least twenty minutes, see how you feel, take one or two more. And Poison Penis, who's now dead, said too late. I said, what do you mean too late? He had de- eaten the entire box of mushrooms, and so he was passed out in the hall for two days. And we had assigned shifts to watch him. Elephant Dick <laughs> takes his mushrooms and passes out in the Van Gogh Museum. We have to go get him. <laughs> people were in the hallways and this other couple complained and they went down to the desk and complained you'll love this story they said these hustlers are fucking in the hallways they're smoking dope they're doing this they're doing that and the owner of the hotel says you must leave i said what <laughs> you must leave <laughs> and i'm sitting there watching all this busting out laughing get your stuff and go or we will call the police <laughs> so he kicked them out and we, and we had and we ended up with the entire hotel Brilliant. And Twonk ended up on, on somebody's floor. And I think, I know Emu was there and, and Adonis and Hoggy were over there. But anyway, Amsterdam is one of my favorite places to, to go. Just nice.
0: Like, I'll ask you one last question. Is the RA always right?
1: Of course the RA is always right. Unless, <laughs> unless the GM is right.
0: <laughs> to close the circle, here's the Hash Anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing low.